Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Pod. My name is Ray. I am your host. And on tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite restaurants, also one of my favorite restaurants in Columbus, Veritas. It's located downtown in the capital city off of Gay Street and High Street at that corner there inside the former Citizens Bank building that used to be home to the bank kind of on a upper floor is kind of half up really from from the street there because the street kind of slopes downhill but uh the restaurant actually didn't start there it started up in delaware which is a suburb north of the city probably about 40 minutes or so uh and small town nice town um but it's you know a bit of a hike from downtown even from the outer edges of the 270 loop probably about 20 minutes from that would be like the Worthington area, which is on the north side on the 270 loop kind of Polaris area there too as well. So uh, it actually first opened in 2012 uh, in Delaware is when uh, the chef and owner Josh Dalton uh, started the restaurant there. He also owns Speck Italian Eatery, which is in, the space that Veritas was before it moved, and I will get to that in a in a little bit here. And he also owns 1808 Bistro, which is where he started out. Uh, he's he'd already been working as a cook uh, and a chef at a few different restaurants in Columbus, uh, Bazi Italia, I know was one of them. There was a handful of others too, and he kind of just bounced around, but never really stuck anywhere. And then he was kind of wound up being pretty close to broke and getting kicked out of his apartment. He's partying a little bit too much and kind of bluffed his way into getting the executive chef job at 1808, which was about to open. Started working there as the executive chef, eventually became uh, GM, part owner, and then bought out his partner and became full owner of the restaurant. All that happened then he opened Veritas, which is actually right down the street. It's like four or five doors down, right on the same road in downtown Delaware there. Originally, when it opened, it had 38 seats. It's a small restaurant. And the name comes from former auditor Dave Yost, who, as the story goes, was dining at the restaurant. I think he was a frequent diner. And he, one night, kind of mentioned the phrase, uh, it's a Latin phrase, in vino veritas, and that kind of stuck with Dalton. And when he was ready to open his second restaurant, essentially, uh, that's what he decided to name it. Originally, it was Veritas Tavern. Uh, it was also the original name, too. And it was kind of known for an extensive beer list. It had over 50 beers on tap there. Uh, and that's kind of how it rose to fame. Just good food, a lot of beers. Um, just a little bit outside the city. So it was slightly removed from the hustle and bustle of downtown and everything. And people could kind of go and escape, go to kind of the small town and, and have a good meal and just relax and have a couple beers. So that was kind of how it rose to fame. I mean, it became the best new restaurant. Columbus Monthly gave it that honor right after it opened. And that's where the restaurant operated for four years and eventually in the fall of 2016 edwards companies which is uh just a real estate developer here in the city approached dalton and made him an offer to 
moved the restaurant downtown into the old Citizens Bank building, which had been vacant for like a year or two uh, when Citizens was bought by Royal Bank of Scotland back in 2014. And they wound up consolidating, I think, a bunch of locations. And that wound up being one of the locations that they vacated. So it made sense for Dalton. He was looking to expand operations. He was looking to help boost the profile and kind of find a spot downtown where he could open a restaurant. And so moving it wasn't that big of a stretch from what he was already considering doing and kind of looking at spaces and stuff downtown. Um, so he, he agreed and they renovated the place. Uh, so in the bottom part, that's not the bank lobby. I, I mean, I guess it used to be technically their basement, but it's right on street level, which grades down a little bit. But there's windows along the bottom of the building, and that's where they put the kitchen. And you can also see in behind through the bar and a little bit into the dining room. That's where the restaurant is itself. And then in the old bank lobby, they opened Citizens Trust, which is a cocktail bar. I've been to it a couple times. Uh, I personally, it's just not really my scene. Uh, it's very mixologist heavy with the cocktails on the menu. The bank lobby pretty much looks intact as it was and almost like they just ripped out the teller booths and they put a square or rectangle bar right up in the middle with the vault basically right behind it with the door open. And there's different tables in the corners and booths and chairs kind of set up. It's really spread out so it works great for social distancing if they uh, reopen, uh, they haven't so far. And on today's, today's the 21st. So no announcement either from Dalton or Veritas. This isn't trust when any of them are going to reopen, but the cocktail bar is, you know, people, some people like it. Some people don't, I'm not really a big fan. I much prefer the restaurant and the bar uh, downstairs myself just because of the the wine list that they have which is pretty unique uh, more so than drinking cocktails in a very large very spacious bank lobby which feels like they could have put a restaurant there instead it would have been great to see like two restaurants like maybe a fine dining restaurant downstairs where veritas is which is effectively what veritas is and then some sort of more casual concept upstairs. I would have preferred that personally. I think that would have worked really well where you have two restaurants and they can share uh, storage space. And you know, I think that lobby with how big it is would have made a lot of sense too as well. But um, they just decided to go with a cocktail bar. I think it's been successful as far as I know, but I've been there a couple of times, just not really uh, my thing is just too spread out um but back to veritas itself so they renovated the space and they did the last dinner in delaware it was in november 2017 and they opened the downtown location right before christmas that same year so about a month later uh to move the rest of the stuff they were already doing reconstruction on the space and building it out while they still kept veritas tavern in delaware running when they moved, they rebranded the name just to Veritas. They got rid of the tavern since it wasn't really a, a pub or rustic style restaurant. It's more elegant, more kind of fine dining, elevated food 
uh, with a very modern kitchen too that was inspired by uh, Grace, which was a restaurant, a three Michelin starred restaurant out of Chicago run by Chris Duffy, who actually grew up out in Johnstown, which is a very, very small, I can't even call it a suburb. It's just a town that's very small, about 30 minutes from the 270 loop. I say 20 minutes from New Albany, which is a suburb on the northeast corner of the 270 loop that's very affluent and where a lot of wealthy people live who can't get into Dublin because the prices of Dublin are too high or the property taxes are too high or the kids graduate or whatever, they want more space. So it's a lot of semi-mansions, kind of micro-mansions, I guess you could call them, in, set in a farm field, essentially. Uh, I lived out there for, what, two? Two or three years, not in a mansion, lived in an apartment complex out there. Uh, and it. we thought when we lived out there, when we moved out there, that it was going to be the next Dublin, like it was going to get built up and you were going to have a lot of infrastructure and, and cool things come to the area and that just never happened. And as, it come, as we came to find out, the New Albany legislature is really strict on anything new being built or opening in their town, their city. Uh, they don't want it. And they've tried, you know, Harvest Pizzeria before the coronavirus pandemic. I'm personally not a fan, but a lot of people are. He, the owner of that, was going to open a pizza pub with Three Tigers Brewing out of Newark, which is one of the breweries on the ale trail that we have here in the city so it's one of our 50 some breweries and Katzinger's Deli which got bought by I don't remember if it was a couple or if it was a large kind of corporate group bought it from the family that owned it whose you know grandfather or whatever started in German Village uh, they were going to open a location out there too as well and wound up putting that on hold but those things were in the works probably since like I left and that was over two years ago and they finally got those approved and then coronavirus happened. And I, I don't think either of those, uh, items are going to happen. So there's just not much out there. It's, you know, 15 minutes away from Easton, but which is where a lot of restaurants and shops, it's kind of an outdoor mall area here in Columbus is just inside the, the 270 loop there. And, but that's, 15 minutes from where I live and I live downtown. So you don't really gain much by living in New Albany. Um, you know, aside from if you work in the area, like I did, it made sense. It was a short commute, but otherwise, unless you're going to buy a house or build a house or own land or something out there, it just doesn't really make sense to, to live out there. They just haven't done enough with it. But anyways, uh, so the kitchen, was kind of modeled after that and then the dining room set up so when you you walk in off the sidewalk there you go just down a small little flight of steps to your left is the private dining room I think it seats somewhere about 10 or 12 folks there large parties and then to your right immediately around the corner kind of wall there against the the mini stair steps is the hostess booth and there's a little lounge area and the bar runs against the window right up against the street 
and you have an ILA there, which goes straight back to the kitchen, which has a plexiglass wall so you can see in it. Um, there's some tables kind of running along the across from the bar, but against a, a wall that runs down the middle of the restaurant, kind of splits it into two. And you have a handful of tables right up against the kitchen plexiglass wall, and then some tables and booths on the other side of that wall that divides the restaurant into two, kind of a bar area and dining room area. But there's openings, there's just shelving where they kind of store plates and stuff that they're either not using for certain dishes or what have you. So you can see through the wall. So it's not like you're separated or you feel like you're in a different room or anything. You still feel like you're part of the main dining room, even if you're at the bar uh, too as well, which is just as a good experience as if you're at a table. They do have one table kind of, it's not all the way in the kitchen, but it's uh, just kind of tucked behind the wall. That's the chef's table that they do a little bit of a different tasting menu for. And it's kind of, they come out and explain the dishes. Uh, usually one of the cooks or the chef does um, Dalton, or if somebody else is running the kitchen that night, if he's up in Delaware dealing with one of his restaurant, other restaurants there, 1808 or spec. As for the food, it's elevated, it's refined, it's fine dining-esque. It's really the only restaurant in Columbus that does that style. Uh, there's a couple others like the Refectory tries, but it doesn't because it feels like it's stuck in like the mid-2000s with how they plate. Uh, service Bar, which is a place that people rave about, and actually the, the head chef worked at Veritas when it was up in, in Delaware there. I think he was like a sous chef. He went out on his own and opened his own restaurant, a service bar, which is in the back of the Middle West Spirits distillery, kind of. Um, been there once. It was a disastrous meal. I'll probably never go back. I know my wife's been there a couple times. The She came with me the one time that we went there, and we ordered like four or five dishes, and they just weren't good. Uh, they didn't. They undercooked the lamb wontons that we ordered. Uh, the one dish was basically just a cheese spread with a puffed up cracker that they, you know, puffed up through cooking on top of boiling vegetable oil. I'm trying to think what else we got. Um, we got two other things, but neither were impressive. And kind of the claim to fame really on how that got on everybody's radar was the chef there, who his name is currently escaping me at the moment, but his signature dish was basically reinventing the Taco Bell taco, like reinventing like a cheesy gordita crunch or something, which it plays in Columbus. Uh, people love it, but I think it's like that's that's what you got is you reinvented a Taco Bell taco. Like Taco Bell sucks already. So you took something that was shitty and made it, tolerable i don't really get it um and like i said katie had been there a couple times after i think she got like the burger like two times and she's like yeah, it's an okay burger like it's nothing special and it's like if you can't even do a burger that's like memorable in a burger town like columbus like every single place has a fucking burger on their menu in columbus it's insane if you don't have a burger on the menu people probably look at you sideways here but if you can't make a great burger and have that on your menu, in my eyes, like, get the fuck out of here with your expensive-ass prices then. Like, you're just, your restaurant's not worth my time. Uh, people love that place. 
I hate it. I'll never recommend it to anybody. This probably won't be the last time that I talk about it because it probably will come up in other podcasts. And I'm sure I'll shit on it some more when it does. But Service Bar isn't for me. I don't understand the people who say it's the best restaurant in Columbus. I think those people are fucking stupid. Whoever says that, I don't even take their opinions on food seriously pretty much after that point. And it's just, look, I understand that opening a restaurant is hard and you have small profit margins and, you know, I'm hesitant to dump all over places that just because I don't like them because somebody still put in the work to open that place and it's their livelihood. But if you can't cook food properly or you can't have your staff cooking the food properly so it's not undercooked lamb to the point where it's raw and it's falling out of the wonton dough in this soup, you know, lukewarm soup, like you can fuck off. I'm not going to eat at your restaurant and I'm not going to have nice things to say about it. And that's just the way it is. So, you know, going to have some opinions that people don't agree with. That's their problem. This is a podcast. This is my podcast. So I'm going to fire those off and uh, whatever happens, happens. Don't really give a shit. But moving back to Veritas here, they've gone through several iterations of their menu. They started out as a la carte. At one point, they went to exclusively being a tasting menu to help control costs. They've had a lunch service. They took that out. They went back to a tasting menu and a la carte. They put in a bar menu that was different. They put in a happy hour menu that was different than the other three. They have the chef's tasting menu. So they've played around with the menu a lot, the format, just to figure out what works, what helps them control food costs the best. Because when they first started, they were going crazy. Like Dalton even says in multiple interviews, like he was ordering just, he didn't care. He's like, I want the best shit or I want a cool ingredient. I don't care what it costs. That obviously eats into your margins a little bit. But then they started to streamline and figure out once they got a nice core group of people that were routinely coming into the restaurant. All right, now we can kind of scale it back a little bit on our extravagance that we're doing with some of these ingredients. And let's use maybe a little bit more cost-effective ingredient to still make a really delicious dish which I think is a process that all chefs go through. You know, it's that new owner syndrome in the NBA when you just buy a team and you're like, I want to do some cool shit. I want to trade. I want to, you know, get these great all-star players. And it's like, well, maybe if you would just let somebody else do everything for the first year so you're not trading like three first-round picks for a guy who's going to retire in two years, who's washed up, like maybe you'd be better off that way. So, um, but it happens to everybody. I think, it didn't hold the restaurant back or prevent it from becoming good or anything at all. Um, but it's just something that uh, Dalton had to kind of work through his system. And he, you know, like I said, he talks about it in interviews and, and I've had the, had the pleasure of actually talking with him kind of at length once at one of his special one night only dinners that he put on up at spec. Uh, it's his restaurant up in Delaware there. And he did a French wine tasting dinner. Uh, he, basically, he travels usually once a year in July. They'll close down the restaurants for a couple weeks. They'll take a summer break. Everybody travels. He usually goes to one or two places and eats at a few different restaurants as a research trip 
almost, and then plans to bring, you know, some of that knowledge that he experienced and figure out how he can apply that to Veritas or Spec or 1808 and make things even more delicious than they already are. But at this one dinner, he went to France and met some wine producers there. And the one guy who, who I think he's their sales rep, uh, he came to America and he was doing a couple different uh, places and he came and they did this dinner with all their their wines that they distribute you know champagne and, and stuff like that too as well and then he was going to Cincinnati like the following morning so but Dalton hosted this dinner it was really fantastic it's up on the spec page if you want to check it out I think it's labeled like French wine dinner one or whatever because I think he was at the time, he was kind of considering doing, you know, more. I don't know how that's going to shake out with the coronavirus kind of upsetting everything. Spec is back open. But after the dinner, kind of everybody cleared out. Even though it's 40 minutes, you know, from us, we kind of hung around and we started having some conversations. And, and he was talking about just, uh, you know, different stuff and just like the restaurant industry. Just talking about Columbus and and everything, kind of what his ideal situation would be which is not exactly what he has currently but he's kind of close to it at least he has one third of it with with spec it's definitely something that he wants to do but he also wanted to put like have a italian restaurant but also like a coffee shop and like maybe like a little retail market but i'll save that for hopefully if i ever get him on this podcast uh, to talk about kind of what he would like to do what his grand plan would be if he could basically just do anything but yeah, one of the things he talked about was just the struggle of getting people to dine at Veritas during the week. Friday night, Saturday night, not a problem. It's the Wednesdays and Thursdays that are leaving the dining room, you know, half filled. And it's how do you get those people just to come in either after work for a drink or decide to go out? Not everybody's like me and my wife where they don't have kids or they kind of live downtown, like to go out to eat. So not everybody's like that. So it's how do you find those people to bring into your restaurant on a consistent basis on these off nights so you can keep everything going and still maintain your profit margins? And he talked about that, and it's a real struggle with Veritas, and that's why they kept playing with the menus so much and trying to offer different things to see, all right, well, let's try this for a couple months. Will this work? All right, that didn't work that great. Let's switch it up and do this. Let's switch it up and do that. So um, you know, he's definitely on top of it. As somebody who owns three restaurants in basically two different cities, even though the cities are right next to each other, he understands the challenges of each. And spec is probably the easiest because it's the smallest and you can fill that pretty routinely. And, and they also put in some, you know, uh, wood painted dividers in between the tables now. So everybody's socially distant and everything. Uh, there at spec. I'll be actually going there uh, next week uh, for my wife's birthday. We're going to go up there and, and grab some plates to eat there, which I'm really excited about. Kind of wanted to go this weekend, but we wound up actually going somewhere else. So uh, looking forward to that and eating some really good pasta up there. But with Veritas, it took about a year for it to kind of figure itself out and once it uh, got to the end of 2018, it was one of the 10 best new restaurants in the city. Uh, Columbus Monthly gave it that honor. 
Uh, Columbus Underground, which is another publication we have here that kind of covers food, business, what's going on, what's being built, all things kind of Columbus. They ranked it as the third best restaurant in the city in 2018. Uh, The following year, Wine Enthusiast put Veritas on its top 100 wine restaurants in the U.S. And that was all because of Gregory Stokes, Greg, who's the psalm there at Veritas. He's actually working on his master psalm certification. And he's built a really cool, eclectic wine list that's still approachable, even if you don't know anything about wine or never really got into it. They still have some of the big names that kind of everybody knows and the heavy hitters in terms of champagne and stuff too as well, but also some more intricate and detailed specific wines that you just wouldn't think of and probably would never come across on your own that he really likes. And that was a big honor for the restaurant. And Greg has actually started uh, Cuvée Wine Society in the city, which is just an online website extension of Veritas where you can do uh, wine orders and they deliver like every Friday. They started doing that during the pandemic. I think they skipped a week when we started having the protests going on for the Black Lives Matter movement in response to the killing of George Floyd. So they put that on hold as did most downtown restaurants out of respect for the protesters which in turn, they actually, when they were boarding up windows, a lot of local artists went around and, and just asked if they could, you know, paint the, basically the particle board that was covering the windows and kind of, you know, put a message up there. And there's some cool messages that got painted on the Veritas uh, boards that are covering their, their windows on the, on the street level there. Um, a lot of cool artwork, which is great to see, but it's also unfortunate that incidents like that had to happen and, as a result, you know, you get to see some cool artwork out of it, but it just doesn't, just doesn't seem, um, you know, worth it in terms of, you know, people losing their, losing their lives at the hand of the police unnecessarily for just really minor things that even with their training and everything, you know, you don't have to do a lot of the stuff that they do, but, uh, that's a separate topic for, a for another podcast that might actually happen. I don't know uh, how political I want to get here because I do have those thoughts as do everybody, you know, people sometimes are, Oh, stay in your lane. And really not to me, but like to athletes and stuff like that. And it's like, well, there are people too. They have thoughts as well. And they have opinions and people get like all mad when they express them. And it's like, they're just a person just like you and I. So, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, Greg has really helped elevate it there too as well. You know, being on the wine enthusiast list was definitely a great bit of publicity for them. Uh, and they've had some kind of one-off, not reporters, but just independent journalists. Like there was one lady who came through who was writing a piece, I think, for USA Today. Uh, I never saw that piece get published, so I don't know what happened to it. I never really got any of your info at she seemed like uh, a nice enough lady, but she seemed like a little bit of a lazy journalist. Like she was crowdsourcing for like, oh, what should I check out? And, you know, where should I go eat and all this stuff? And it's like, did you do any research on Columbus at all before you came? Or did you just hop on a plane and like, yeah, somebody said I could go write an article at Columbus and get paid, you know, X amount of dollars if I brought it home. And it's like, you know, I'm not going to help you 
go review these places. Cause one, I don't know your work. So like, I don't know if you're going to shit on them. She didn't really have the type of personality to do that. I mean, it was probably a puff piece if it even got published. I don't subscribe to USA today, but it was probably just like, this place is really good and blah, blah, blah. It was like three lines probably on the place. But so, but there have been several independent journalists that have come through and, and started dining at Veritas too as well, uh, which is good, which is great. More publicity and more outlets too to help keep the restaurant going. And, and hopefully it comes back here soon once uh, some of the restrictions on the coronavirus get lifted. But it's tough to say if that, you know, when that's going to happen just because they would have to space out their dining room, which is easier to do on a Wednesday, Thursday than it is a Friday and Saturday night. If you're going to be packed, you know, to the gills and you need all those tables to be filled to hit all your profit margins, being downtown, the rent's not cheap. So I don't know what it looks like for them to reopen if they have to wait for just coronavirus to run its course and you know Ohio's starting to see some spikes again for like a second wave so I don't know when they're going to reopen uh, hopefully they reopen soon it's one of my favorite restaurants but there are challenges so we'll see what happens but back to 2009 uh, Columbus Monthly named it the best restaurant in the city uh, at the end of the year when they came out with their annual top 20 list uh, and that was a big achievement as well for Veritas and rightfully deserved. It is the best restaurant in the city without question. Some people don't want to eat there because of the price or whatever. Even with the a la carte menu, like it's still approachable. It's not super expensive. Like you're not dropping, you know, $300 just to eat there. Like it's not a true exclusive tasting menu restaurant. There's still other avenues that you can go in there have a couple plates, have a glass of wine and get out there, get out without breaking the bank or, you know, loading up on debt on your credit card or anything like that. So it's more approachable than people think. I think people just see the decor and see kind of the plating style and just think, oh, that's too expensive. I'm not going to like that, blah, 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 blah. But they're just not willing to try it, which is a challenge that has to be overcome. I think they're doing a great job of doing it. Obviously, the publications in the city agree, too, as well, that they're doing the best out of everyone in pushing the level of dining up to something beyond a bar or bar food or pub food where a burger's on the menu. Veritas doesn't have a burger on their menu, and I hope they never put a fucking burger on their menu because I hope, even though I will order it, and I'm sure it'll be delicious... And one of the best burgers in the city. I just don't want to see them have to sink almost to that level where uh, everybody expects us to have a burger. So in order for us to get more business, we got to put a burger on here. The only way that I would probably be okay with it is if Dalton came out and was like, I had to put a burger on here because people wanted it and it would get us a shit ton of more business. So that's why I did it. But he doesn't strike me as a type of person that's going to compromise uh, his culinary style to that regard. So I'm not too worried about it. I don't think it'll ever happen. And I don't think it'll ever get to that point. If anything, the restaurant itself would just close because of coronavirus rather than have to readjust to a lesser version of itself is what I think would ultimately happen if this drags out too long and they're still paying rent 
for the space and just not having any income. Uh, I don't know how long their lease is or with the space. I don't know any of those details. If he owns kind of those two floors outright, I don't think so. I think the, you know, the develop developer company owns that space and I'm assuming he has probably a, some sort of lease or really good contract. So I'm not sure if he could get out of it or if he wanted to, how, or anything like that. It's, they're two ma- like they're massive spaces, especially the citizens trust. So like, I don't know what you'd put in there. I think you should put in a restaurant up there, but that's going to be an expensive rebuild to even if you keep the vault, which you would have to, because it's just too expensive to remove, but install kitchen equipment to put a kitchen up there. It's that's a mighty, mighty tall task and you're going to need a shit ton of capital to do it, but it can be done. There was a restaurant in Australia that we went to, uh, I think it's just called the bank or it's like the bank on whatever the street name was. And it's an old bank that they turn into a restaurant and still feels like a bank. They have the, uh, vault in there and there's like a second level like a catwalk and then i think they actually put like shops up there in the building i think there was like a nail salon like or something if i remember correctly but on the ground floor in the bank lobby they put tables down the sides and everything and that was that was back when we went to australia and it was really cool and the food was was good we had a i think we had a couple small bites or maybe we only had drinks um but yeah it was it was good and it was a cool concept and I think they executed it really well there. So, um, it definitely can be done. It's just a challenge with the amount of money that would take to get that done. And I don't know if there's anybody in Columbus that's willing to spend that kind of money. It'd be different if it was like New York or Chicago even, but Columbus, Ohio is kind of an afterthought in the Midwest. I mean, Cleveland and Cincinnati get more publicity nationwide than Columbus does, even though we're, currently the 13th largest city in terms of population and will probably pass San Francisco when the census comes out with everybody leaving San Francisco because of the high rent prices and them also being restricted by how far the city can really grow. I mean, it's grown as wide as it can because of where the bay is and everything. So it can only grow up and that takes time and a shit ton of money even though that money is there in San Francisco because of all the tech companies nearby in Palo Alto, as well as in the city that have offices, building skyscrapers takes time. I know we went to San Francisco and they were working, I think it was the Salesforce tower and we went back the next time and they weren't done with it. And then the last time that we went there, they actually had it uh, completed and you, at least the, well, maybe it wasn't completed. The outside was completed for sure. I don't know if the inside actually opened because I know, I think Dominique Crenn is supposed to put a bakery in the Salesforce Tower and I don't think she's opened that yet. And that was before the coronavirus pandemic had started in March. So who knows? Um, but Veritas, it's, it's a great restaurant. I mean, some of the favorite dishes that I have listed out, the chicken wings, which is kind of one of their first signature dishes almost it came right after they moved i think it was probably a concept that they still had at veritas tavern up in delaware which i never ate at i didn't even know about it until katie mentioned it and then they moved and she was super excited to eat there and then we went there and now it's one of our favorite restaurants but 
the chicken wings were definitely something that were just really unique and perfectly executed, which is saying something even for chicken wings. A lot of places fuck them up. They either make them too crispy or the meat's dried out or oversauced. Like it's just one of those things where if it's executed properly, it's just fantastic. Even though it's the simple thing, um, any pasta dish that is on any menu at a Josh Dalton restaurant is worth ordering. The pasta is tremendous. Even at spec, the pasta is fantastic too, as well. I like Veritas a little bit more than spec just because of the wine list that they have that I can get a nice bottle or nice glass of wine. Something that I really enjoy where I feel like at spec, it's all Italian wines and I really don't know shit about Italian wine. It's not something I've deep dived into. I've mainly been Napa wines and starting to dabble a little bit in French wines, but it's mostly champagne. So it's mostly American California, Pacific Northwest wines, and then also champagne from France. So both are kind of a narrow subset of a the broader genre there. But I don't know anything about Italian wines, so that kind of limits me on... Even if you ask, like, hey, I, I'd like something that's uh, similar to a Cabernet Sauvignon, it's like, oh, well, it's like this or that. And it's, just, it's, it's not the same um, for me. So that's kind of why I give Veritas the edge. But... The desserts, too, are really excellent. And at first, when Veritas first opened, the desserts were lacking. Even on the tasting menu, kind of the way they ended it, uh, which if you go to the website uh, and the Veritas page, I kind of outline it the first few times that we went there. They did this sphere, this hard sphere ball that was probably frozen with nitro. And inside is a flavored liquid and it's a one bite. You pop it in there and you know, that was kind of their dessert course where something like that at a Michelin starred restaurant, like 42 grams, that was a palate cleanser for them. So the desserts were just really kind of absent and almost overlooked uh, initially at Veritas. I don't know if it was, they just didn't have anybody who was comfortable doing desserts or if they just didn't have anybody who knew how or anything like that. But those have come a long way and they're artfully plated. They're delicious. They're tasty. They change pretty frequently and they switch up ingredients too, even if it's kind of the same style of dessert. So you do get something new if you go back once every, they were changing their menu roughly about two to three months at a time before the pandemic. So that's something to kind of keep an eye out for too as well when you wind up going there. But it's one of my favorite restaurants. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I hope it reopens. I follow them on Instagram, hoping that it reopens. You can follow them. Uh, It's just at Veritas614 is the Instagram handle. Dalton has his own account, but he really doesn't do anything with it. Uh, At Spec Italian Eatery is the other restaurant's Instagram. And there'll be a future podcast on Spec just because I love that restaurant so much. So it's definitely worth talking about getting into its history a little bit more, even though it's a newer restaurant. And at 1808 American Bistro, I believe is the other handle. I don't follow that restaurant, so I'm not confident, but you should be able to 
to find that and track that down. It should come up with just recommendations for you to follow once you follow either of the other two. As always, uh, subscribe to the Spoon Mob Pob, uh, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, which we are on officially, Spotify too as well. We are also on Breaker is another podcast network that we're on, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. So we're on seven uh, Google Podcasts still to come. I got to get this up there with the RSS feed, also Stitcher. Uh, I think I have to do both those manually, unfortunately. So those will be coming soon too as well for anybody that uses those two platforms. I think most everybody uses Apple or Spotify these days, but definitely want to get it up across the board just in case you have a specific app that you love to use and aren't willing to let that go. Uh, Completely understand with Spotify sometimes being a bit uh, glitchy. Sometimes there's a pop in the Bluetooth headphones with their podcasts and things of that nature. And then Apple Podcasts can sometimes be, uh, well, I mean, you pretty much have to have an Apple device that you're listening to, listening it on to, which, uh, I mean, mixed bag on that. Most people love an iPhone, but I'm just not one of those people. So I completely understand and have sympathy for everybody who doesn't use Apple Podcasts and is trying to find another outlet to listen. But... Follow us on Instagram at SpoonMob, Twitter at SpoonMob1, and Facebook at SpoonMob. Posts up pretty much every day on different meals that I've had uh, recently or relating to new chapters, new pages that have been written and have gone live on the website too as well. I just finished the Tail Up Goat page in DC, so that is up live. Also been... Uh, buying some bean bar chocolates, uh, chocolate bars from a few different uh, manufacturers uh, in North America here. So Esquisito chocolates out of Miami, uh, Cantu out of Montreal, Dandelion chocolate, of course, out of San Francisco. Been doing that, going to keep doing that. So keep an eye out for those pages. Uh, two of those are up and live, and another one is coming. Uh, Exquisito uh, is the one that we're just getting up and running here and getting created. Also check out the wine and champagne section too as well. Uh, for more on Veritas, definitely check out the Spoon Mob page, uh, spoonmob.com backslash Veritas. And that'll take you right to it. Read up on Dalton. His other two restaurants are mentioned in there and just kind of how he came to be a chef and, and where he's at and why I think he's probably the best chance Columbus has at ever winning a James Beard Award, uh, whether it's best chef Great Lakes or one of the other categories. I think he's pretty much our only hope at this point that's going to have the refined qualities that the James Beard panel really looks for in voting kind of the fine dining-esque style of food that they really look for when they're voting and whittling down the list Uh, definitely a semi-finalist nomination is not outside of the cards they just got to get somebody to come to Columbus and try the damn food and report back to some other people um Ray Ray's got in there this year, which was a surprise, as did Pistachio Vera uh, for best pastry chef, or was it Baker? Might have been Outstanding Baker that uh, Spencer Boudreaux's got in there 
for uh and there'll be some podcasts on both those establishments too coming in the near future but yeah spread the word on the podcast here uh download it play it replay it play it a third time um love to see the audience grow i think right now we're at uh, like a handful of subscribers so appreciate anybody who's listening to this also please write in with any of your feedback you can reach me directly at uh, spoonmob at yahoo.com or go to the website click on the contact page and you can submit questions comments through the box there and i promise i will write back to anybody that does and give you a shout out to on the pod for writing in so any questions concerns uh, improvements you see a typo in something that you're reading or a sentence that doesn't make sense i want to hear about it um, definitely get it corrected try to do as much editing on my own as i can but when you're reading something for the 10th time it kind of gets uh lost in the background and you don't catch everything so i'm sure there's some typos out there maybe some sentences that are missing some punctuation or don't make entirely a ton of sense i definitely do use some run-on sentences pretty frequently in in my writing so check all that stuff out there too more coming uh we just went to me and my wife just went up to cleveland and went to ushibu which is a Japanese uh, restaurant that does kind of hot pot. At one point they were doing um, sushi, but they also do kaiseki. And um, we had a tasty menu up there and it was fantastic. So that page is going to be coming to and be putting that together. Uh, that restaurant actually is going to be closing the concept as it is on July 25th. So if it's something that you think that you want to see and want to go to, Make sure to do it. The reservation book is op- open. They're only seating like one table at a time because of coronavirus restrictions and doing everything that they can. But it's going to get changed over to a izakaya den. Um, so they're going to put some TVs on the walls, uh, put in some reclaimed wood tabletops, and pull out kind of the stainless steel burners that they have for the hot pots and everything and put some, uh, I think you said they were going to do like browns colors, like black and orange but i'm sure it'll be more tasteful than what i'm imagining or what you're imagining and uh yeah they're gonna do like yakitori and drinking sake they had a i mean they're known for their sake list which is supposed to be out of this world i can tell you from the menu that was in front of me even though they only had like 20 25 sakis i think i had three different ones two that came with the tasting menu and then one on my own they're all fantastic um sake is not something that i really know too much about or have been able to even kind of get into because i've just never had good sake except for like one time at a sushi pop-up that i went to last year in august was the first time that i ever had good sake so that might be something that uh, i get into in the future here too as well and that might get thrown on the champagne and wine tab. So keep an eye out for that. But as always, appreciate you guys listening. Look forward to growing the audience. Like I said, spread the word. Follow us on social media, wherever you get your social media. Download the podcast, listen to the podcast, re-listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, appreciate everyone uh, listening and downloading, um, really do. It's, it, I can't believe that there's more than just one person myself listening to this, um, just to make sure that I didn't fuck up any of the edits or anything too bad. 
or leave like dead air or stumble over my words or say something completely stupid. But, um, yeah, it's amazing that there's at least three other people out there that are listening to this. And, uh, I'm thankful for those three. Hopefully it'll be a bunch more in the future, but, uh, until next time, everyone have a good week and we'll talk to you guys next weekend.